Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 1865 Match Report. Hello there and welcome to 1865. We are bringing you a match report on today. A very happy day for the Reds as they went away to Blackpool and got a 4-1 victory. Uh, In a few minutes, we're going to hear from Adam, who's at the match. But before we do, let's just uh, run through the team news. And there were a couple of changes into the first team, one of which was a surprise and one of which was maybe expected. So in goal, Brees Samba came in um, because Ethan Horvath had been away on international duty and had got back very late. That's also explained, according to Steve Cooper, why Richie Larrier was not in the squad. The big surprise, however, was... uh, After being told that he'd be out for five weeks, Scott McKenna was back in the team after missing precisely no league matches. Um, And he came in to replace Joe Lolly, which meant the Forest could go back to their back three with Colback and Spence at wing back and then Zinconagel behind Johnson and Davis up front. And then there was also another pleasant surprise because on the bench, Lewis Graben, the skipper, was back in contention. Now, Adam... Obviously, it's, it's quite an away day to go to Blackpool, a trip to the seaside for you today. Um, you mentioned it was absolutely blooming freezing when you got there, uh, but the match heated up quite quickly, didn't it? There's quite a physical start. The ref was letting things go um, fairly early on. And uh, for those of us watching on telly, there was a bit of an early penalty shout, but we needed a replay to find out when uh, Marvin Ekpateta had put in a little challenge on Philip Zinkernagel. Uh, did you see that? And what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I was from sort of like the other side of the stand and there was quite a faint shout from our side and quite a loud shout from the fans that were closer to it. I, I'm sure everyone that's watching at home would have been able to sort of shed some light on it a bit more for us. It did look like he played the ball and like went through him but won the ball first and then sort of kind of with him after. So obviously we were sort of assumed that that's why it wasn't, but yeah, it was, it was, um, I think just touching on the ref there. And so I think there's a lot of people around me getting frustrated, but I actually think he did really well. He did let the game flow when he could. Um, he's a really good ref, actually. He's the Australian, wasn't he? He obviously mm-hmm. came over from, um, 
the A League in Australia. I think he was. I think he did really well today. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was it was a fast, pacey start. We got amongst them, and I think a lot of people around me before we scored the first goal. I think was actually saying we didn't. Um, it was very open. It was a very open game. Blackpool had some really big chances, so the first goal for us was vital, especially the time that we got it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I will actually come back to talk about the ref a little bit later on. Broadly speaking, I agree with you. I thought you had a good match, but there, there's a, there's a, another talking point, I suppose. Um, yeah, like you said, it was it was both teams playing a high press, and so it was a relief when when Forrest scored. Now, just from where I was watching on telly, like the ball pinged up and it went in in slow motion after Philip Zinkenagel got into the box. What was it like for you? It was exactly the same, honestly. It was so obviously it, it's as it's gone up, we've sort of, you know, almost sort of looked at it going, oh, it's going, it's going to hit, it's going to go over. It looked like it was going over the trajectory of the ball. I was like, oh, it's going over. And it kind of just dropped in and there was almost like a surprised cheer from everybody. Like, oh, it's gone in. Like, I can't believe it. Yeah. And it, it was good for Zinkanagel because I think, I think he struggled today. And I think the goal should give him a little bit of confidence going into the next game. Obviously, should he play against Coventry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a strange. I mean, certainly he'll have been having sleepless nights after the Liverpool match, won't he? So, um, okay, it's difficult to say whether the shot would have gone in anyway, but um, but the deflection certainly helped it on its way. And and Forest were a goal up after just eleven minutes. Now, I'm going to say that what you said about it being quite an open game actually the sort of the ten minutes or so after Forest scored really epitomised that. It, I think it's a bit like a basketball game. It was going end to end and and the game was quite stretched uh, a lot of times. Uh, Blackpool had had an occasional sight of goal. So James Husband had a shot from distance, which uh, blasted over. Keenan Davis had a bit of a sight of goal after Dan Grimshaw had made a bit of a bit of a boo-boo with uh, trying to clear the ball and Brendan Johnson had closed him down. That must have got the heart rates going up in the uh, in the away end. It was sort of a theme of the first half, really, wasn't it? I don't know a lot. I didn't know a lot about their goalkeeper going in, but distribution was um, lacking, to say the least. Um, obviously, when Brennan closes him down and stuff, I think a lot of us with Brandon were shouting, "Like, just shoot! Like, you, you've, you've you've got the ball. You sit your feet. Just just have a go." And obviously, sort of the chance went begging. And you know, I think yeah, the goalkeeper definitely struggled first half. It gave us a lot of chances, but I think it also came. A little bit from we we did press quite high, and I think being an open game can definitely suit Forest because the way that we go forward, we go forward in numbers, we go forward with pace, we get in behind Blackpool defence, which they they just couldn't handle today. Um, Davis obviously can hold you know holds the ball up. Brennan was running at them. Jed Spence obviously running at them. Um, you know Zinkanago was getting into that pocket as the number ten. I just I really think they struggled to. Like to managers in that first half, and I think that's obviously where the goals came from, really. Yeah, yeah, and it's worth saying as well that Blackpool, they, you know, they they were doing their own uh, attacking as well. So there was um, a moment where James Husband put a cross in, which was deflected away by by Brees Sambo in the goal, and that led to another cross in, which Garamadine got his head to, and luckily for us, he didn't really get any power on it, so it's easy for for Samba to gather. There was a, a short. Backheader by Joe Worrell, slightly too casual there. And uh, Samba had to stand up. I think it was Jerry Yates who who 
fancied himself to get there, but Samba did really well because he was going to go and catch it. And then he actually just sort of stood up and, and sort of beat it away. So a little bit of a hairy moment. So in that sense, obviously, if you're one nil up away from home and the, away t- and the home team are attacking you, what you want to do, best response, get another goal. And, uh, and what a goal it was uh, from Brennan Johnson. Yeah, um, I think if we had gone in one nil at half time, um, even, even actually, funny enough, one all at half time. I, I don't think many people could have a lot of complaints the way the game was panning on. Um, the one with Samba, just to mention that, was terrifying. Because from where we obviously that was on our side, so, we, so the, when he sort of stood up, it was hard to tell. Like sort of looking at why has he done that? The, but he's coming out, he's going to collect the ball. But obviously, that's the benefit of having the sky cameras and stuff. You can see it a couple of times. You can see, oh, actually, this is why he's done that. Um, and Brennan's gone. Obviously, I haven't seen the goals back myself. I um, obviously saw them at the ground there and then. Um, but the, he just took it so well. Yeah. And I think that with the, the way he takes this goal is just a play with so much confidence. And why why wouldn't he be? Like That's the thing. He, he's got every right to be confident. He's, he slams it home. And I think that it's, it's it's a real testament because I think there's there's been a lot of people actually believe it or not um, around me at home games sitting around me saying that Brennan's too in and out of games. You know he doesn't have a, a good ninety minutes. He'll have a good ten minutes, and in that ten minutes he'll get a goal or an assist, um, which I actually don't see as a bad thing at all. But <laughs> that's different people's perspective on football, I suppose. But today I felt like he had. He absolutely just terrorised them all for that first half. He was unplayable. And the, goal, the first goal and the second goal, he just took them both so brilliantly. Yeah. So let's just talk through the second goal before we come on to uh, the third goal, because they came within a few minutes of each other. And the thing that I liked about it was it was Forrest actually playing their way through the Blackpool team. So it was a throw in, which Jed Spence took. He did a a one, two with Brennan. Then it went to Ryan Yates, who cut it back. It deflected slightly. But um, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, um, I actually think that he maybe isn't getting the credit he deserves because it's such a true finish. He, he just hits straight through it across the goalkeeper, bottom corner, when it would have been very easy to shank it. So so I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. But people on the radio in particular, uh, Radio Nottingham, were going crazy about his his second goal, which came from a mistake once again from that man, Dan Grimshaw, in goal. Yeah, and I think it's testament to Ryan Yates with that one as well that it's nice to see him in that position. It's nice to see that him and Garner are both not afraid to go and help out with the attack. And he's on the byline pulling the ball back, which Ryan Yates of a couple of years ago, it would be, you know, nosebleed territory for him. I think he'd struggle to be up there. So that was nice. But his next goal was outstanding. Obviously the third goal for us, second goal for Brennan. It was just, it was such a good finish. And the way he gets it over and it, the, the keeper and obviously yeah it's a mistake from him again and he really did struggle in that first half um, I think you could probably point to the fact that he was getting put under a lot of pressure um, sometimes if I was a neutral watching that game I would think defensively you need to stop giving the ball back, back to him you need to stop going back to his feet he's obviously not confident you know maybe just kind of look for a different out ball because Every time he's going to kick that ball in that first half, it was nervy, it was unconvincing. And I think that obviously it did lead to the goal. But yeah, what a finish. And I think it's just, I, I don't think that you can question Brennan's finishing ability. I think even when he's having a bad game, even when he's not um, 
he's a little bit in and out of a game. I think he takes his chances so well. It's very rare that you see him miss, you know, a, a, a good chance. But he made this chance for himself, and you know, and it was just such a terrific goal. And I think I'm I'm, I'm running out of like words to describe Brandon Johnson because he's just such a talented young man. Mm, yeah, and I guess it, to just kind of portray the other side so as you mentioned there's a few people who kind of said well Brennan looks a little bit off the boil and and personally I thought he's a little bit knackered um so having gone away with Wales I was a little bit concerned he played most of the match the other night but I think it's re- it seems to have rejuvenated him giving him a bit of a lift having that kind of slight maybe the change of scene and getting the confidence from playing for his country um and and that thing you said about confident finishing I guess the penalty miss at Sheffield United is the price to pay for the fact that he does things like the bit of magic when he receives the ball from Grimshaw. So do you want to talk us through what you saw when he, when Grimshaw made that dodgy kick? It was, it was almost as if he was um, like, he was a shark circling around Grimshaw in the first half. It was (laughs) as a forest fan, it was great to see, but he picks up, it's actually, I think with something that's really underrated about the goal is actually the control. Like it's the way he controls that ball. He's coming in at pace and he controls it so well. And it it shows obviously his technical ability and and the the way that he is on the ball as well. Um, but yeah, the controls it. You know, he finishes it off beautifully and almost never in doubt either. And I think you mentioned it's a good point about him being um, looking a bit tired and stuff. He is twenty years old, and I think this is something that we maybe put unfair expectations on young players nowadays, where it's like. Oh, you know, but if you're old enough, you're good enough, and you know that's completely true. But at 20 years old, you, he's got his strength, his conditioning, all that sort of stuff. Where you're not going to be at the level of maybe a seasoned pro who's 27, 28, who's been there, done that, been a footballer for a longer period of time. So when you have a player that young, sometimes you might have to pull them out slightly, take them out of the limelight for a game, put them back in. But I don't think Steve Cooper's got the luxury of doing that with Johnson at the moment because you can't take him out. Mm. He's just well, electric. Look, there's more, to, there's more to life than stats, but stats are important and data is important in modern football. And Brennan Johnson has got 20 goal involvements. He scored 13 goals and got seven assists, which is the most of any player under 21 in the Premier League and EFL by quite a long way as well. So Bukayo Saka's next. Now, obviously, he's playing at a different level, but everyone's raving, and quite rightly, about Fabio Carvalho at Fulham. But he's in a play- team full of Premier League talent. He's got Mitrovic playing ahead of him. And he's on 13 goal involvements. Brennan's on 20. So I think that tells you a huge amount about why Brennan has to be involved every week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that um, obviously Carvalho is a, is a couple of years younger than Brennan. But obviously Brennan did have last season with Lincoln where um, you know he, he went and played in League One, which is different. It's a difficult league to play and it's really physical. And I really think it's been the making of him going, sending him out alone to Lincoln. They did a great job with him. He played in a really, really attractive style football under um, Alperton at Lincoln. Um, and I think that's really, really benefited him coming back into the Forest fold. And it, it never felt like when he came back in and when we started going through the season, it never felt like he wasn't going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it did always feel like he was one of the first names on the team sheet. So it, it's great to see him play so well for us. I think... I've seen some quite major um, kind of like YouTubers or influencers or whatever post stats about Brennan Johnson now. And I'm like, he's getting a lot of 
a lot of attention from a lot of mainstream media. And I think that we had, obviously Brentford were interested. I, I think if we don't go up, I think Brentford has struggled to get him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to go to a team that's struggling towards the bottom of the Premier League. I think he's going to go to a team that can really develop him into a, you know, what I believe he can be, which is a top six Premier League player. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, and, you know, those, that, those are setting big expectations, but I think that he's shown both in terms of his physical and his me- mental um, performances and obviously having um, a dad who's experienced playing at the top level and a huge amount of championship football. I think those are all really, really positive things for Brennan in his career. And of course, the best chance that Forrest have of keeping him is to be competitive and hopefully get promoted. And so therefore going in at half time, three nil up against a potential playoff rival in half bad. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. We had an early penalty shout in the first half and Blackpool had an early penalty shout in the second half when Jerry Yates was challenged in the box by Scott McKenna. And I have to say that falls into the category of I've seen him given. The Blackpool one from where... I was, I thought was a nailed on penalty. I mean, I, 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 I'm quite far away from, from where it was, but it, it looked like it. And I thought, yeah, he's going to blow his whistle there. When he didn't, I thought, I think we've got away with one there. Yeah. It is hard to tell, but I, I think we've got away with that one. Okay. So from, as someone who's watching it on telly, what I'd say with both the challenge by Ek Pateta on Zinc in the first half and McKenna on Yates in the second half, in real time, I thought, meh. And and when I saw the replays, I thought, "Whoa!" So if that if that uh, is a uh, an, an oral representation of of of, of uh, how I thought those went, um, let's come back to the action because yeah, Blackpool did try and come at us, and then Forrest had a chance when uh, Keenan Davis managed to put a pass through for Philip Zinkenagel, and having said he'll have lost a bit of sleep after the Liverpool match, he had another moment here, didn't he? He did. I, I want to highlight with this one, though, the, the work that James Garner's done before, because when the ball's come over, he's actually headed it into Davis's pass. And it was, it was, it was fantastic ball into Davis. And obviously Davis has then obviously rolled it into zinc. Like, I just, I know it was a corner. So I'm, I'm assuming that based on that, it was the goalkeeper's got a touch to it, yeah. but the goalkeeper shouldn't be part of the equation. Mm-hmm. You throw on goal, you've got to score. Um, Seems to have Zinkenagel in the way he like he would rather be on the edge of the box. Um, but he'd rather, he, he seems to score the harder chances. I'm I'm thinking back to his goal against Swansea, for example, which was also four one in the same kit, which was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't an easy chance, but he's he's hammered that home. This one, he's one on one with the goalkeeper. He has to score, and I think that if it was the other way round, it was if it was Zinkenagel through to Davis, I think Davis still score. And I think my biggest criticism of Zinkenagel is that I think he was fantastic during the start of the season. I don't feel as if he's he's very consistent. Mm-hmm. I do like him. I think he's a good player. I just 
it does frustrate me massively, especially with stuff like this. Yeah, what I've noticed as well, maybe it's a confidence thing, maybe it's a fatigue thing, um, but he seems to be wanting to take extra touches now rather than keeping the ball moving quickly. And so, like you say, if it'd been the other way around, um, or it'd been Brennan who'd been put through by Keenan in this instance, there would have been an instinctive first-time finish rather than trying to find the angle and therefore allowing the keeper to to get that extra second. Um, Davis and Johnson were sacrificed on 65 minutes, and we saw Sam Surridge come on, expected, but we also saw Lewis Graben come back. Um, how did that feel? It was great. He got a great reception as well. Um, obviously, club captain coming back. Um, a lot of people have actually said they're not sure how he's going to get back in the side. Um, obviously, with Davis being fantastic, Surridge being... I mean, I, I saw Stare, he's, he's got three goals, I think three goals in 350 minutes or 250 minutes or something like that. It's it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be really hard for Graben to come in and actually start games. But I think it, he, before he came, before he got injured, he was starting games with Davis. So we'd have to see how it goes. But um, yeah, no, it was a great reception for Lewis when he came on. I, he, he deserves that. Um, he, he's a model professional. He's been helping Keenan. Obviously, Keenan Davis saying in his interviews that Grabs has been helping him out a lot. And, you know, that's what he should be doing as a, you know, a veteran of the club and um, the club captain is what he should be doing. And Surridge is, I, I, he just really, really excites me as a player. He's a grafter. You know, he, he came on, he, he ran his socks off. Um, I think he just gave them such a hard time, Blackpool, as well. He's hard to deal with because he's big, but he's also really quick. Yeah. Um, he's a really hard player to deal with. And he obviously, he would probably come on to his goal, but the way he took his goal was just a player that oozes confidence. Like it was such, it was a really good finish. Yeah, and, and not for the first time this season. We're saying, can you imagine if you're an opposition defender and you've been grappling with Keenan all this time and then he goes off and you get a play, another player on who's strong, quick, but also he's got an eye for a finish in a way that Keenan probably hasn't really. Um, and and yeah, let, let's talk about that goal because there's an interception by Scott, Scotty McKenna. He had a little run out and then he played a through ball, which turned out to be just... I mean, the weight on it, whether how deliberate this was, I don't know. But the weight on it and the first touch by Surridge was was outstanding. And the finish was nothing short of emphatic, was it? McKenna stepping out of the line is something that we he does a lot. And he's so good at it. He's so unbelievably good at it. I mean, the amount of times you saw him in that second half playing left wing and you're like, you know, when he got, he, obviously the situation where he got fouled and, you know, he went down just outside the box and stuff. And you're thinking, why are you, you why are you there? Like, it's, it, it blows my mind. But yeah, it's a good ball throw. I think he meant it. I think it was perfectly weighted. Um, I hope anyway. I'm sure he would say it was and it was. But, um, yeah, I think with, with a striker, you always say that when you, you first touch, when you first touch to put you into the position to shoot and then you want your second sh- touch to be a goal. And, Goes across the goalkeeper, hammers it into the far corner, and it, I don't think anyone was in doubt because yeah. he because he has got that. He's just such a good finisher. Like Cooper, just instills confidence in these players, and you can see them playing with it. Yeah, yeah. St- Stoke fans will be wondering, you know, is that really the same player that we had for for six months? But you're right, Cooper. He knows how to work with players, and and that's massively important. Now, just quickly, uh, the one. A uh, blot on the landscape from this match was that uh, Blackpool did get a what turned out to be a consolation goal. Um, 
Joe Lolly had come on on 73 minutes for Zinc, and actually it was down to him having a, a bit of a rash tackle on the halfway line, um, which he got booked for, and rightly so. And uh, Blackpool floated the ball in, and uh, uh, Callum Connolly was was at the back post, and and he just sort of poked it home. Um, and also worth pointing out that Blackpool were down to 10 men at this point because they'd made all three subs, and then Dujon Sterling got injured. So a uh, bit, bit of a blot on the landscape. Um, it was a bit frustrating to concede the goal. Um, scrappy goal as well. But I think they, they probably deserved a goal out of the game. I mean, they had a lot of chances. You know, they missed some guilt-edged chances. They probably did deserve a goal out of the second half. Um, but, I mean, on a Blackpool perspective, to be fair, I do just want to point out Josh Bowler. He is fantastic. I I think watching him today, it was like I've sat there thinking I, I'm... I'm gutted that we didn't sign him because he he was brilliant. He, mm-hmm. The way he turned played inside and out, he did get Blackpool's man of the match. Now he's going to be some player. Yeah, he, he really is. And it's worth pointing out as well that actually Jack Colback, makeshift left wing back, did an excellent job of marshalling him because you, it sounds really obvious, but you know that with Bowler you've got to keep him on his right foot, and the only decent cross he managed to get in was with his standing foot because Forrest kept closing him down when he tried to cut in onto his left across it. He did have a few opportunities on goal, but didn't really manage to make the most of those. But as I say, he, he's, he's obviously a very good player. Um, talking about Blackpool's performance, Neil Critchley said, I've not seen the stats yet, but I reckon there'll not be a lot in that game. We weren't second best, only in moments. Every time Forrest got into our penalty area, they scored. They had a bit of luck. And it's a bit of a strange one. From my perspective, when when I was watching this match, I was reminded of when Fulham came to the city ground earlier this season. And you just thought, well, you know what? Forest weren't terrible on that day. It's just that Fulham were like two levels above. And I think that this match was was fairly similar. I think that Blackpool can probably say, well, we didn't play that badly. But Forest just had that killer instinct. We were able to put the game to bed and then manage it. What do you think? Yeah, I saw something about this comment after the game. Um I don't agree with him, personally. I think that you can define anything in football like that. Oh, we were, it's, it's like the Frank Lampard interview after they got beat by Crystal Palace, where he explained all four goals. Ultimately, you conceded four goals. It's what you do with it. It's how clinical you are and it's how ruthless you are. And today we were completely ruthless. And I, I think that, I do think we still the better side. I think they were massively second best, but you know, it, he is going to say that in a way and he is going to defend his players and he's a terrific manager and he's done a brilliant job this season with Blackpool but I can't really agree with him here that he doesn't think that they were second best because they emphatically were mm-hmm. yeah um we I've mentioned Critchley and I just want to move on to Steve Cooper but with a specific um intent which is we said we'd come back to the ref and you and I thought the ref was really good. I thought that what was really impressive about the ref, who was Jared Gillick, I've looked up his name <laughs> since we talked about him earlier. Um, he, yes, he let a lot of physical stuff go, but he was very consistent with it. It was obvious, he's obviously set a bar and stuck to it. So the only two bookings he couldn't avoid giving, and that one was for Lolly, and then there's another one for a handball um, to a Blackpool player. And I thought he was really, really consistent. He gave the benefit of the doubt on a lot of things. And I thought that was really positive. Steve Cooper did actually mention the ref in his interview with Radio Nottingham and said, I felt that their their players were fouling our defenders most of the way through the first half. And that's an interesting one because 
Scott McKenna is the other talking point who came back when he, he wasn't supposed to be. And he had loads of real wrestling matches with Gary Medine in that first half. And, and I thought a few times he's probably crossing the line. Um, are you surprised at Cooper's comments? Yeah, I am. I mean, I think that, um, I, I do get where he's coming from, but Gary Medine is a very physical striker. He's always played the same way. And there's nothing wrong with being a physical striker that puts yourself about, you know, against somebody like Scott McKenna, who, you know, is a big lad himself against Joe Worrell, you know, against Toby and, you know, the, the, the big center half. So like, what, I don't know what you'd expect Gary Medine to do. He's obviously going to back in. He's obviously going to put himself about and it doesn't surprise me that that's the way he played. Um, I don't really think that we, they, our players, our defenders are being fouled more, not not to the point where I've noticed it and thought they, you know, they're really fouling our defenders. They do, they do, they did push high a, a few times and they may have, you know, clipped the defenders like whatever. But I think as Gary Medine just putting himself about, I mean that's expected of him. But Scott McKenna, and and, and this probably comes onto a wider point that I, I know that Cooper is doing this on purpose. I, I think he does it. He definitely does it. He must be doing it on purpose. <laughs> this player's going to be out for six weeks. Two weeks later, he's back. Okay. It's a good way of, I suppose, it, 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 with grabbing it, was, it was actually quite a while. But I suppose it's a good way of that team planning for something else because Blackpool today probably planned for a back four mm-hmm. in the same way that we put, we put the team out today on the Twitter page and it was a back four because... And back four is probably what we thought. I mean, that's what we were talking about in the pub before the game. And then, surprise, McKenna's back. It's a back three. And instantly that brings you confidence. Yeah. 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 The, the mood really, really changes when you've got, yeah, you know, you've, you've got that balance in the, in the back three. And, and as I commented when I put, the, when I put our predicted team out there, uh, one of the things is that actually I've got every confidence in the, the back four as they played so well against Liverpool. However, on the other hand, Forrest... Three, four, one, two, as they usually play, just seems to get the best out of the team. And and Cooper knows what he's doing. Um, just very briefly, you'd mentioned Toby Figueroa. I want to give him a shout out because I thought he was also excellent today. Um, I'm just going to um, uh, say a little bit about the table. Um, the victory took us briefly up to fifth in the table. As of the three o'clock kickoffs, we are now down to seventh. Uh, we're on 61 points with 37 matches played. If we win those games in hand, then that would take us to third. But I mean, what's important there, Adam, is not necessarily that if we win those games. I think what's important about today's game is it was a statement victory. What would you think? We said that um, after the game walking out the ground, um, the Blackpool, they do well at home. They're not, you know, they're not towards, they're not fighting relegation at one point. And the reason Josh Bowler stayed with them is because they were looking like they were going to push for the playoffs. So to go there and to do that to them, I think shows how good of a side we are on Sky Sports and the early kickoff. Every team around the country watching it pre-match before they go to their game at three o'clock, probably thinking, well, we don't want to play them in the playoffs. Like we shouldn't look at the table too much at the moment. We it's. It's very frustrating as a football fan in probably any division at the moment with these games in hand because you're trying to work it out in your head. You're like, well, if we do this, if we do this, if we do this. Whereas normally, where you are in the table is just where you are in the table. You might have one game in hand, but you don't have three games in hand or two games in hand. But come to the end of the season, we'll be in the top six. And I actually would confidently say I think we'll be third. 
Mm. And um, what's interesting there, yeah, I completely agree, is that positions in the league table, probably not so important. But what might be crucial is that points per game ratio. And as you pointed out in our WhatsApp group, um, since Steve Cooper's taken over, two points per game, which is just incredible, isn't it? It is. And hindsight is a wonderful thing. But I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I do sit there sometimes thinking to myself, if Steve Cooper came in at the start of the season, we'd be fighting for the top two. A couple of games earlier, then Cooper comes in and you know revolutionises for everything. But I don't think any of expect, expected it to this level anyway. Mm. And not for the first time this season, we're using the phrase the Steve Cooper revolution. So we'll leave it at that for today. We'll be back with a match report after the game against Coventry. I want to say thank you very much for Adam for for basically getting online as soon as he got back in from uh, an arduous journey back from the seaside. And thank you to you also, listener. Sports Social Podcast Network.